Sarah Spreming, and this is Cop Dog Radio, a place where I will share my stories, cases, and considerations when it comes to all things dog sports and dog training. I hope you enjoy it. Hey friends, I'm going to talk today about a little thing I like to call comparison hell. (laughs) Um, Comparison hell is where we live if we can't see um, our dog's accomplishments or maybe can't even realistically see our dog's problems because we're too busy comparing our dogs or our performances to um, those around us. I was recently really lucky to do a seminar for the Marin Humane Society in California, and several of the participants mentioned that, you know, they'd been subject to people saying things to them like, you know, if so-and-so had that dog, she'd never act like that, or if so-and-so had that dog, he'd be on the world team, um... And just kind of comments like that, that, you know, when the commenter gives them, they're probably not meaning any harm, but they're certainly causing harm. Those comments can be really hurtful. I've heard them. Um, If the group of people in my seminar have all heard them, then that means these comments are rampant. So if you're a person who has that thought, maybe that you're watching somebody run a dog and you think the dog has a lot of potential and you think the handler needs to step it up a notch, I'm just going to suggest that you keep that to yourself. Um, It's not helpful. And it's irrelevant, too, because so-and-so, fill-in-the-blank, big name, does not own that dog. The person running the dog owns the dog. So it is irrelevant. It's a hurtful and never helpful comment. And Bigger than that, though, because I think we all have to learn to just kind of shrug off the garbage that we might hear on any given weekend. Bigger than that is when we come up with those comments ourselves. When we look at our dog and we think, man, if a better handler had this dog, this dog could be incredible. Or maybe if a better trainer had this dog, um, he would be incredible. And the truth is that that's even less helpful than the jerk who says it to you as you're leaving the ring. If you're saying it to yourself, you can't escape that. You have to train yourself to stop saying it. Um, so my lovely host at Marin Humane Society is named Kristen, and she did a really smart thing. She um, told me that while she was struggling with some agility-related stuff, with her dog and kind of had to step back and take a break. She actually went through and hid a bunch of people on Facebook, hid, stayed friends with these people who she's friends with, who she likes, but made it so that she couldn't see all of their posts about agility weekend in and weekend out. It was a mental health choice for her. And I thought, man, that is so smart. And I wish more of us would kind of filter our social media, especially if it's making us think things that are not helpful or say or have kind of self-talk that's not helpful so the self-talk that goes like 
you know, if only my dog were run by that person, he could do well. That self-talk isn't helpful. And so if I can find what's driving my self-talk, then I can, I can change it. Okay, so remind yourself too, that your dog doesn't actually know if you're a good or a bad handler or trainer because they don't have anything to compare it to. Um, comparison hell is where humans live. It's certainly, it's not where dogs live. Um, and so know that your dog probably really likes you and would rather be with you figuring it out than the next person. And just don't forget that. Um, it's true no matter what the next person says. And along that same vein, it's really helpful to actually have self-talk that's positive that says your dog loves you for you and your dog likes hanging out with you and doesn't want to be with that, that other person. But for me, if you're inclined to tell yourself that your dog could be better with somebody else then maybe think about some of the qualities that you feel like you're missing and actively work on those qualities as opposed to engaging in this kind of damaging self-talk. So a good example would be when I got Iggy, uh, when she was about a year, year and a half, I kind of realized, wow, I've never had a dog like this before. I've never had a dog of this caliber, of this speed, and of this talent. And I got scared of it for a second. And then I thought, you know, this is what I wanted. I wanted to be better at agility. And so I really took it upon myself to be better at agility. And what does that mean? I, I figured it out. I worked with some really top-notch people and worked on my handling. I worked on my mental game really hard. The training piece I had been working on for a long time, and that was in relatively good shape, um, although I feel like it's in much better shape now than it was when she was young, which is good news. That's always good. <laughs> um, but, you know, don't let, um, don't allow kind of positive self-talk to push you into a box of never getting better. You want to strike a balance. You want to be able to look at the areas that are lacking and actively work on that. And that's the same in dog training. I'm always telling people to observe and respond to their dog's behavior as opposed to observe their dog's behavior, slap a label on it, and then have some big feelings about it. So as opposed to my dog um, is an out-of-control jerk and I'm a bad person because this is all my fault, you can say... My dog is barking and lunging excessively ringside, and that's due to a lack of positive reinforcement for appropriate behaviors ringside, and I can actively fix that. So one is kind of empowered, and the other one is just an excuse um, and, and really not helpful. So in the same sense, if you're having these thoughts of, you know, if so-and-so had my dog, he'd be on the world team, then... Let's make a list. Let's say, what is it about so-and-so that would put your dog on the world team? And whether or not that's your goal is kind of irrelevant. 
again, we can make a list of what qualities do a dog and handler team need to be on that team. Um, you know, maybe it's about fitness goals. Maybe it's about training goals. Maybe it's about understanding handling. Maybe it's about course analysis. If you get real about it and look at real stuff, as opposed to my dog's very talented and I'm not very talented and therefore we're just gonna we're just doomed to be a mess forever, you can divide it and work on it. Now, there's risk there too, and I think that's why people don't do this as often, because when you decide that there are problems and you can work on those problems, now you got a responsibility. <laughs> now you have a responsibility to either say, and now I'm going to actively work on those problems, or I'm going to decide that those problems are going to stay the way they are. You don't have as much responsibility when you're just kind of standing here saying, my dog is talented and I'm not. Um, on the flip side, there are certainly people who think their dogs are not good enough for them. I think most of those people aren't listening to this podcast, but they exist. And they would do well to do the same thing, to kind of say, what is it actually about me that I can improve? What's under my control that I can work on to improve this situation? So if you find yourself in comparison hell, look at the antecedents. Is social media causing comparison hell? Um then cut back on it. Cut back on the people that are causing you problems. Let's say you're friends with all of your dog's litter mates' owners and what they're constantly posting is about their amazing successes and maybe they're never posting about problems and that makes you feel like a failure. Um, if that's going on, hide that person. Hide those people. It's okay. You can go check on them when you feel like it, when you're feeling like you're in a good place. Um, there's no rule that says you have to look at anybody at any given Facebook page. Um, and trust me, everybody has problems, whether they're talking about them or not on social media. And we could argue that perhaps the people with the most problems are probably talking about the good stuff in their life, the biggest and the loudest out of everyone. Um, so you can certainly do that. If it's about people at trials, just trim down who you engage with at trials. There's also no rule that says you have to talk to everybody at every agility trial. You don't. Um, or have a response that lets people know that you're not actually open to their feedback. Um, I have a short list of humans whose feedback I'm interested in when it comes to um, anything I did at an agility trial. It's a short list. And anybody else, I just say thank you and keep walking and it doesn't matter what they said. It doesn't matter if they said, you know, that was your fault. It doesn't matter if they asked me a question like, hey, did you know that your dog went in the wrong end of the tunnel? No matter what they say, I just say thank you and move on. And then what happens is you feed that fire less and less. They give you less and less of those comments. And it really is okay. Um... And if you're the kind of person who's inclined to go up to somebody and give them information after their run, one of two things. You can either just not. You can either just understand that that's probably not helpful, that the feedback that is helpful post-run is, hey, great job out there. Um, and even then, if a person didn't feel like they did a great job out there, that might also not be well-received. 
Um, or if this is a person you actually know, you could approach them and ask. You could say, hey, can I give you a piece of information about your run? Or are you interested in that? And then if their answer is no, their answer is no, and you should respect that. Um, again, I've got a short list of people who my answer is going to be yes to that question. And anybody who just doesn't even ask me that question, I'm just going to say thank you and keep walking. This is all about self-care at trials. And if you've got a perfectly lovely dog and you have a perfectly lovely time with that dog in dog sports, then this is probably not a problem for you. But my clientele tends to have dogs that have big feelings, big behaviors, big displays, and it tends to get their handlers a whole lot of unwanted information from a whole lot of people. And that's where the idea for this podcast came from, to just talk for a second about the fact that this doesn't have to be a problem for us, um, because we don't have to take any unwanted feedback from anybody. And also, we don't have to live in comparison hell, because that's all it is. It's just a place where we stew and suffer. It's not a place where anybody gets better. Um, I'm really lucky that I figured this out when Iggy was young, because Felix is a really, really wonderful dog, who I would say... Um, is on a different track from most of my friends' performance puppies. He's two and a half years old. Um, I have friends who have got puppies his age who are running at the master level, who have gone to nationals this year, that kind of thing. And believe me when I tell you that is 100% cool with me because I, beyond a shadow of a doubt, know that Felix and I are on the right track for us, for he and I as a team. And it's good that I know that now, because it may have been much harder for me to know if maybe he were itchy, right? So if those dogs were kind of flopped in my experience. Um, or if I hadn't had itchy, at all, you know, if he were kind of my second performance dog, I think it may be harder for me. But I have found out what it takes for me to compete and remain in a mentally kind of healthy space, especially with dogs that are a little bit tougher. And the things that are tough about Felix are really mostly good problems to have. He loves the game. He loves people. He loves other dogs. <laughs> He's just got big, big feelings about everything, which makes him incredible and also makes, you know, us sometimes on a slower track than other people. And that is 100% okay. And if it weren't 100% okay, I would not be looking at what can I change about my very special dog, but what can I change about my behavior to get better. And sometimes I definitely look at that with, uh, with Felix. He's making me a better trainer every single time I pick up that clicker um, or that toy. And I would also be looking at who are the people that are pushing me to feel this way. Um, I had a person say to me at an agility trial something along the lines of, um, well, he's, you know, he's 18 months and he's not entered. What's wrong with you? And this was back when he was 18 months. She literally said, so what's wrong with you? Or what's wrong with him? And I just really didn't continue having that conversation. 
and you know, that person wasn't really vying to get on my shortlist, but is certainly nowhere near my shortlist. And that's just not somebody, somebody whose feedback I'm interested in. Um, and that's how I moved on with it rather than saying, what is wrong with me? What is wrong with him? I looked at her and I said, absolutely nothing <laughs> and moved on. So those are some of my thoughts on comparison hell. Um, Get over on the CogDog Radio Facebook page if you want to talk about this and have a discussion with some other competitors and me about what this is and how we can kind of get away from it. Um, and I've got to mention, too, that the Fenzy Dog Sports Academy December term is starting really soon and registration is open. I'm actually teaching two classes this round. I'm teaching the whole picture, which is my behavioral wellness course. Really important course, you guys. Almost everybody who emails me, I say, this is where you should start. The whole picture is just as it sounds. We're going to cover the four steps to behavioral wellness. If you listen to this podcast, you're familiar with what that is. And we're also going to go over some specific training projects that I think are really vital for uh, young sport dogs, like hanging out quietly in a crate, waiting while another dog works, um, and turning away from people and dogs that might be really exciting to go see. Um, when they're in a working environment. And then I'm, of course, teaching Worked Up. Worked Up, you probably have heard of it. <laughs> um, popular seminar that I've taught all over the world this year. I love Worked Up. It is my baby, and it um, is, to me, one of the most important things that I have pulled together and one of the most important things that I teach. It is about sport dogs who work themselves into a frenzy, have very high levels of arousal, very high levels of adrenaline, and it affects their performance. So it's all about helping those dogs out. Um, I've got auditing levels open in both of those courses, and you can register for them at fenzydogsportsacademy.com. And we should throw up a link to registration over on the Cog Dog Radio Facebook page as well. So I hope to see you in class, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to CogDog Radio. If you've got questions or suggestions, you can shoot them over to CogDogRadio at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. See you next time.